0: John chapter 8 and verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Once again, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. We're continuing in our verse by verse study of the Gospel of John. As we have said before the Gospel of John centers particularly on the words of Jesus himself. And many of those words are Jesus' Jesus' words spoken about himself, characterizing who he is, his relationship to the Father, his exclusiveness. And this is one of those verses that is so prominent in those characteristics. Jesus is speaking about himself. He is characterizing himself in a particular way. And he is speaking about his exclusivity. Exclusively, he said, I am the light of the world. I am the singular and exclusive antidote to darkness. Now, let's take a moment and... Just look at the setting that we find these words in. Last week, we looked at the story of Jesus forgiving the adulterous woman. And we recognized that that was not an original part of John's gospel. It had been inserted sometime later by someone unknown. And yet we also recognize that it was consistent with the revelation that Jesus made about himself, consistent with his words and his actions, and it was also consistent in the truth that it presented us with the rest of the canon of New Testament scripture, particularly the epistles and how they spoke of Jesus and the work of Jesus. But if we set that aside, because of its later insertion, what we see is that these words of Jesus in chapter 8 and verse 12 immediately follow what is said in chapter 7. And so when we go back to chapter 7, Jesus has spoken, and then the temple guards arrive from their mission to arrest Jesus, but without Jesus. Pharisees interrogate them. Why didn't you bring him back? And then, as we saw, Nicodemus raised the point of law. Does our law condemn anyone without hearing him? to find out what he is doing. Verse 52. They replied, Are you also from Galilee too? Look into it, and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Well, if you remember, we noted there that they either were forgetting their own history, or they were modifying it to suit their purposes, because actually there were Old Testament prophets who came out of Galilee. But this statement regarding Galilee, and now, again, taking out that later insertion, we read in verse 12 of chapter 8, when Jesus spoke again, he said, I am the light of of this world. And so to this anti-Galilean assertion, John records that Jesus made reference to an Isaiah prophecy, and he applied it specifically to himself. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. And looking at the first two verses. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who, are, who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea, Along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Now turn with me to Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulon and Naphtali. What does verse 14 say? To fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulon and land of Naphtali. The way to the sea along the Jordan. Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And then Matthew said, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. So once again, John presents this for us in his record. That when the Pharisees made this anti-Galilean statement about Jesus, the next thing that Jesus said was, was, I am the light of the world. Whoever walks in me will not walk in darkness, but will walk in the light of life. And Jesus is drawing from this prophecy in Isaiah, which he has fulfilled, Matthew said. And thus Jesus is making a declaration at that moment. That he is the one who has been prophesied and who has been anticipated. I am the light of the world. I tell you, when I come across these things, I I just don't know how to describe them. They are majestic. They are magical. They are fantastic. They are awesome. The way that the Holy Spirit orchestrates Scripture puts the record together for us. The way that we have Jesus responding. Come on, you know that he knew what the Pharisees said, even though he wasn't there. Because scripture tells us that he knows the thoughts of of people. He knew what they were thinking. He knew what was in there. He knew what they said. So what does he say next? Like he had been there eavesdropping on their conversation. I am the light of the world. Declaring that he was the light that came out of Galilee. And that he wasn't just a local light. He was the light of the world. So. Let's look at this verse in three aspects, first the setting, and then secondly, the divine assertion of Jesus, and then thirdly, this light of the world declaration that Jesus made. So first of all, the setting as it applies to Jesus. When we go back to chapter 7, we see that Jesus had come up to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of of Tabernacles, also known as the Feast of Shelters or the Festival of Booths, was one of three major Jewish feasts that all Jewish men, beginning at age 12, were required to go to Jerusalem and celebrate. And so Jesus had been making that journey since he was 12 years old. The Feast of Tabernacles celebrated God's gracious provision during Israel's wilderness wanderings. And it focused on three aspects of that provision that God had made for his people. The first was the manna with which God had fed his people when there was no other source of food for them. And we saw in John chapter 6 where Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the bread that was given to them by Moses, but I am the bread that came down from heaven. The second thing that was celebrated during the Feast of Tabernacles was the water that God provided from the rock. And remember how we've said that in the morning, each day during the Feast of Tabernacles, the priest would lead a procession to the Pool of Siloam, dip a golden pitcher in the pool, and carry that water back to the temple. They would pour it in a funnel that was by the altar. And it would run out on the ground. And the people would celebrate the fact that when they were in the wilderness, God provided water for them from an impossible source. He opened the rock. And provided sufficient water. For the entire group. The third thing that was celebrated during the Feast of Tabernacles was the light of the pillar of fire. And we've described what would happen, how at the end of each day, there were four large candlesticks that were in the court of women, ladders that went to the top large bowls, and young priests would climb those ladders in the evening, they would fill those bowls with oil, the wicks were made out of the used and discarded garments of the priest, and they would light those wicks, and the light would radiate out over Jerusalem. And the people would dance and sing and celebrate all night long, remembering all of these aspects of God's provision for them when they were tabernacling, living in tents for those 40 years in the wilderness. God had been their source of life. So we have already seen in John chapter 6 where Jesus declared, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. We saw where Jesus declared on the last and holy day of the Feast of Tabernacles, he stood and he said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. And Jesus made the declaration that he was the source of living water same thing that he had said to the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. And now, Jesus makes this declaration. The lighting of those four candlesticks is said to have been so bright and so luminous, they were so tall and they were so large, that they lit up the entirety of the streets of the city of Jerusalem. But Jesus, in the temple, standing in the court of women, verse 20 tells us that, standing in the court of the women, where these four candlesticks have been erected, he declares himself to be a greater light than the light that came from those candlesticks. He declares himself, in fact, to be a greater light than what was experienced in the wilderness by Israel. He declares himself to be the light of the world. But the controversy that we saw in the last chapter, whenever Jesus opened his mouth and talked, is going to follow him into this chapter, is going to follow him as he declares that he is the light of the world. And we are going to see them repeatedly question him to the point that once again, they want to kill him for the claims that he is making. Secondly, The divine assertion of Jesus. What does he say? He said, I am the light of the world. If you are taking notes and you're writing that out, don't write it as uppercase I, lowercase a-m. Write it as all uppercase. For it is a divine reference. In fact, it is Scripture's most recognizable description of divinity. In other words, Jesus, when he makes these statements, is presenting himself as fulfilling the Old Testament imagery of Yahweh as the I am that I am jesus is making a monumental claim for himself and we dug into this deeper when we looked at him declaring i am the light of the world and how the original language construction its translation from hebrew into greek represents those names that were exclusive to god most sacred most divine. Those names that represented all that God was in his holiness, his majesty, his exclusiveness. And here Jesus, again, makes this declaration standing there in the temple. A declaration that is reflected In the words of Moses, when Moses said to the Lord at the burning bush, Who shall I say has sent me? And God said, I am that I am. The exclusive one. The eternal one. The one and only. The New Testament is loaded with references to Jesus. Names, descriptions, idioms. But more than any other idiom in the New Testament, it is Jesus's I am's that forcefully assert his claim to be God. Not just a great prophet, not just an outstanding teacher, but to be God. And that claim is recognized. It is recognized by the Jews, but not recognized in deference to who Jesus is. Remember, they recognize this claim as blaspheming. He's calling himself to be God. They pick up stones to stone him. They take offense at him. They know what Jesus is saying. You and I just sort of read it as, I am the light of the world. But Jesus wasn't just saying, I am, I'm Don. I am a pastor. I am a resident of Baltimore City. It's not in that kind of a league. Again, Jesus is using an exclusive Old Testament reference that is set apart for God. And so the Jews recognize it as such. Now here's where it gets really good. Midway through Isaiah, God makes a number of I am declarations, particularly through the 40s chapters. God declares that I am the Lord and there is none other. I am Israel's Redeemer and there is no other. I am Israel's rock there is no other. In fact, he declares what Paul will assert in Philippians chapter 2, that at his name every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that he is Lord, and that there is none other. And so here we have Jesus taking this I am of Isaiah and applying it to himself. These truths that Yahweh spoke in Isaiah in exerting exclusive claim and right over his people and to his people. And Jesus makes that claim and applies it to himself. In the Old Testament, it is Yahweh speaking. In the New Testament here, it is the Son speaking. In the prologue of John, we are told, No one has seen God at any time except God the one and only, who is close to the Father's heart. He has made him known. And what do we see here? The Son in his relationship and representation of the father is so identical that he can take Yahweh's own words and apply them to himself. Yahweh's own work and apply it to himself. Yahweh's own exclusiveness and apply it to himself. What would Jesus say? If you have seen the father, if you have seen me rather, you have seen the father. If you listen to my words, you listen to the words of the Father. If you know me, you know the Father. But the converse is true as well. Jesus would say, if you don't know me and you don't accept me, you don't accept the Father. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything. Whether it is the manna, the water from the rock, the pillar of fire, or whether it is the statements that God exclusively reserves for himself when he speaks to his people, Jesus is the fulfillment of each and every one. And so Jesus boldly, without apology, declares again to them, I am He doesn't need to say what they are, understanding in their minds. I am God. I am the one and only. And so he makes this claim: "I am the light of the world. In your Bibles, under, underline those two articles. Jesus doesn't say, I am a light in the world. He said, I am the light of the world. Once again, he doesn't claim to be one of many lights. He doesn't just claim to be a light in the world. He declares that he is the light of the world. Now, the Old Testament is full of light imagery. And if we go throughout the Old Testament, we see that, like it was in the wilderness, light represents the divine presence of god that pillar of fire god in the midst of his people light represents god's salvation the psalmist declared in psalm 27 in verse 1 the lord is my light and my salvation whom shall i fear Light also in the Old Testament represented God's deliverance of his people. As Charlotte reminded us last week, in Psalm 105, light is an illustration of God's word and its effect. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And as we have just referenced, in Isaiah, light was also representative of the Messiah. And the work that he would do, all that he would fulfill and accomplish. And as we read here in Isaiah chapter 9, that he would be a light to the Gentiles. Now notice again what Jesus is saying here as he said, I am the light of the world. One of the things that we have talked about, we mentioned this when we were studying Colossians, that Colossians, Paul's letter to the Colossians, is centered around Christ. And so we use the term Christocentric, centered around Christ. You and I are to live... Christocentric lives. Christ is to be at the center of our lives. Everything about what we we do, how we live, what we say, the priorities of our lives is to reveal that Christ is the center of our lives. The New Testament is Christocentric, it's all about Jesus. Well, there's two more Christo terms here. When Jesus declares, I am the light of the world. The first is Christo exclusive. Jesus said, I am the light. Once again, he doesn't characterize himself as one of any number of lights. That is the divine way to God consciousness. No, I am the light. What would he say to his disciples in John chapter 14 and verse 6? I am what? I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes to the Father except by me. Christo exclusive. It would be arrogant if you or I said, I am the one and only. Nobody knows as much as I do. Now, we act like that sometimes, don't we? Especially when we get into an argument with our spouses. I know more than you do. I'm right, you're wrong. But whenever you and I make, a, make an assertion to be exclusively right or exclusively only, it's arrogance. But when Jesus makes it, it is divine truth. Christo-exclusive, I am, and there is no other. And then he said, I am the light of the world. Now it's the opposite. It's Christo-inclusive. He's not just the light of Israel. Remember the words of Isaiah. He is the light of the Gentiles. He is the light of the world. In Jesus, anyone can come to know God. For he is the way to God. And God so loved the world that he gave his son. And so through Jesus, it doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, where you have been, what your background is, what stands against you, what's on your record, how bad you look in the eyes of anyone else whose life has not been as bad as you. Jesus is the light of the world. and world includes anyone and everyone and so jesus declares whoever whoever once again what a wonderful word remember that song that we would especially sing on sunday nights in our Sunday evening services. Whosoever surely meaneth me, surely meaneth me, oh surely meaneth me. Anyone in the world who believes in Jesus can sing that song. It doesn't matter who they are, where they are, what their race is, what their background, their culture, their ethnicity, or how terrible of a sinful life they have lived. Whoever Believes in me. Oh, hallelujah. That adulterous woman, forgiven by Jesus, could say, Whosoever. The tax collector in the temple, beating his chest and crying out, God have mercy to me. I am a sinner. Could go home justified. Because whosoever surely meaneth me. Hallelujah. So it's Christo exclusive. Jesus is the one and only. And it's Christo inclusive. He is for anyone. And his salvation is sufficient to bring any sinner, regardless of their past, into a relationship where they are walking in the light. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, we have been saying that everything that we read in the Gospel of John, beginning with chapter 1 and verse 19, we can relate to the first 18 verses of John, the prologue. We can relate this to the prologue. Turn with me back to chapter 1. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Look first of all at John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Now look at verses 6 through 8. There was a man who came from John, from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Now, look at verse 9. The true light that gives light to whom? Every man whosoever the true light I am the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. I want you to turn with me back to one more Old Testament reference. Back to Zechariah. Everybody knows where Zechariah is. It's one of those very familiar Old Testament books. You can lay your hands on it immediately. If that's not true for you, you could just start at The end of Malachi between the two Old Testaments and the two Testaments, and just page back a few pages. Zechariah chapter fourteen. Now look at verse eight. On that day, the living water will flow out of Jerusalem. Half to the Eastern Sea and half to the Western Sea in summer and in winter. Have we seen a fulfillment or an application of those words? Sure we have. When Jesus stood and declared, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me for rivers of living water. And now look back at verse six and seven. On that day, there will be no light, no cold, or frost. It will be a unique day without daytime or nighttime, a day known to the Lord. When evening comes, there will be light. Isn't that a unique declaration? Well, when you and I go to the end of our Bibles, to Revelation 22, we read these words beginning with verse 4. They will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign forever and ever. Remember what is said to John in Revelation chapter 19. That the spirit of prophecy is the spirit of Jesus. Everything points to Jesus. The water, the manna, the light. Everything in the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus. And everything is fulfilled in Jesus. He is the future of everything. He is the fulfillment of everything. And that's why he is the one and only. Now, what's so important and significant about these words? Well, first of all, this is a missionary passage. This is an awesome missionary passage. Jesus is the light of the world. Whoever walks in him will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus would say to Nicodemus, in John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly seen that what he has done has been done through God. In Acts chapter 26 and verse 18, we have these words spoken by the apostle to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Jesus is the light. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And then in verse 6, Paul continued, For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Jesus is the light of the world. There are only two alternatives for people. You are either living in the light of Christ or you're living in darkness. In one of the prayer times today, someone was praying and saying, you are the God above all gods. And that caused me to think that's a statement that comes from Scripture. But the reality is, Any God is a false God, an empty God. It doesn't have any life. There's just two gods there's the God of this world, and then there is the true and the living God. There's the God who perpetrates darkness and blindness. And then there is the one true God who leads us out of that darkness into light. And so the Apostle Paul said to the Colossians, in chapter 1 and verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. And then he went on to say, For God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, there are many other scriptures that speak in the New Testament to Jesus as light. To this dilemma that humanity finds itself in, which is root rooted in the Christo-exclusiveness of the statement of Jesus, that he is the light. And if you and I are not walking in his light, we are in the only other alternative. We are in darkness. In John chapter 1, In verse 5, John wrote, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Now look at verse 7 and see how it reflects the words that Jesus spoke. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The psalmist declared, in your light, we see light. There is no light apart from God. In his light, we have light. In the light of Jesus, we have the light of life. Darkness is always equated with death. Light with life. Jesus is the light of life. Now this understanding needs to burn in your heart and my heart. Otherwise, our understanding of Jesus as the light of the world is an absolutely worthless understanding. For you and I can't walk in the light as he is in the light. Without this understanding that people who do not have his light are in darkness, blinded by the God of this world, and under the sentence of eternal death, And you and I can't really claim to walk in the light as he is in the light unless we also understand his words to us. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. For Jesus came not only claiming to be the light of the world. But giving his life so that people could walk in that light and have the light of life. Again, let me say it to myself and say it to us. That we can't claim to walk in the light as Jesus is in the light if we don't have a burden for people who are walking in darkness. If we don't, if we aren't compelled to take the light of Jesus to them and to present him as the light of the world so that they will not walk in darkness any longer. Whoever claims to walk in the light must walk as he walked in the light. He said, I came not to be served, but to serve. Let your light so shine that people see your Father, are drawn to Him. Once we were not a people, once we were in darkness, but He has brought us out of darkness into His marvelous light, so that we might do what? Declare his praises. Make him know it. And so Jesus declared, I as God am the light of the world. I am the one and only. I am the way of salvation. I am the light that gives life. I am the light that is eternal. May you and I walk in the light as he is in the light. And as people of light, may our burden and passion be that those who are walking in darkness would see a great light and come into the glorious light of the knowledge of the image of god who is jesus amen